amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Our next guest, well, he's one of the greatest football players in Washington State history, a four-time Pro Bowler and a Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots. He's on Twitter, at Drew Bledsoe, and you can check out the Bledsoe Family Winery at doubleback.com. Drew Bledsoe here on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Drew, always a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for your time. Yeah, man. How's it going today? Oh, very well. We were just I was just talking to my buddy Travis here. Uh, he and his wife are expecting their first child. It's going to be a son. They've come up with three names that they're trying to narrow down to <laughs> to determine what the name of the child's going to be. you get Drew Bledsoe in on this, Chad. So how did the process work with you and your wife to determine who would name the first child? How'd that play out for you? Well, we, uh, with some old, we, we went with family names. Uh, my my grandfather was, was Stuart Bledsoe, and, and uh, so that was our first son, and then uh, we've got uh, like four or five Johns in the family tree. So our second son, uh, son was John. You know, my dad. It was, you know, my grandfather on my mom's side. Um, and then, uh, and Henry was just a name we liked. Figured Stu, John, Henry. You know, it worked worked well. And then, uh, and then our daughter was the hard one. We went with uh, my, my wife's maiden name for her first name. So it was a hard process, man. You know, but once you uh, once you pick one, then they and they they stick and they just become that person. That's not a bad play, Travis. Going with family names, well, yeah, I like that, that. That's what Clayton is. It's a family name. My wife saw it. I really like that one, uh, and she's kind of gone away from it a little bit. No, it's good. Well, Drew, we had. So, uh, so, so, I'll, so I'll tell you what. I'll tell you one funny naming story. So we had, when I was playing for the Patriots, um, I, my our, our gal in the front office uh, got a phone call, and uh, lady called and said, "Hey, we named our son after Drew, and we're wondering if he could send us a, a helmet." And, uh, and she said, "Well, you know, the helmets are a few hundred dollars. You know, we can't just send out." you know, a free helmet to anybody who names their kid true. And she goes, no, you don't understand. His middle name is Bledsoe. So this poor kid has, to, has had to go through the rest of his life with uh, the, the middle, with Drew Bledsoe Smith. <laughs> just, like, man, man, some people are just a little crazy when it comes to sports. No doubt. In fact, uh, there were a couple of listeners who chimed in. They know Travis grew up a big Nick fan, so they're like, why don't you just name it Reggie Miller Demers? And he's like, no, <laughs> no I don't think that's a good idea. not. <laughs> well, well, Drew, we had one of your Coug teammates in studio yesterday, Alex Brink. He told us that he had just spoke with you, and he also said that you haven't fully converted him into getting into the wine game yet, but he did say you're a tremendous influence. How's the, how's the winery coming along? Winery's doing great, man. We're, we, we, uh, we're building a new facility. We're almost done with that, uh, and we're getting a week from today. We release our, our 2015 vintage, which was a spectacular vintage for us up there in um, you know, if anybody's interested, you can just go. You can find us on our website at doubleback.com, and it's. Uh, but the, the wine will sell really fast. It's. Uh, we've got a great team up there that's just kicking butt and, and uh, making great wine for us uh, year after year after year. Um, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. It's been a, it's been an interesting business. It's been challenging. It's been all those things that you expected uh, to be, and some things I didn't expect it to be. Uh, but ultimately, it's been a good endeavor. Now, I did see where you were an honorary captain for the Patriots during the AFC title game. What was that like for you to go back and experience that whole that whole situation? That was pretty cool to see you there. Yeah, it's you know it's really fun to go back there. You know the 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 fans that were around um, kind of prior to when I got there, and then during our rise, uh, they really appreciate what those teams that I was a part of were able to accomplish. 
you know, it's one thing to come into a team uh, that's there into a situation, you know, where they've been winning forever and that, and you're just part of the machine, but the Patriots have been all but irrelevant there for, you know, a number of years. And then, uh, you know, over the course of, um, you know, three, four, five years, we became relevant and became a contender. Um, and then from there, obviously, they've gone on to be the most successful franchise in professional sports. So, uh, but uh, when I go back, there's some, some genuine appreciation, um, you know, from uh, fans that are a little bit older uh, for what we did with those teams in the early 90s. You know, Drew, with you making your first appearance in a Super Bowl in, in Super Bowl 31 with Bill Parcells, and you know, aside from Super Bowl 20, you, you know, the, the franchise, as you well know, has didn't have a lot of success. So, being there in New Orleans for that Super Bowl, just what, what did that, what was that experience like in the weeks leading up to the game for just the the, the fan support, uh, the success, the unprecedented success that your team had had? What was that experience like? You know, it was really, really cool to be a part of. We were a young team. We were really, really tight-knit. We hung out together. You know, most of us hung out together a lot. Uh, it was really a, a more of a college-type you know, type atmosphere than a professional-type atmosphere. So it was really fun to be a part of those teams. And then for our, for our uh, Patriots fans, it was, it was really unexpected. I think, I think we were 5-11 and 11 the year before, um, and uh, there really wasn't high, there weren't high expectations for us coming into the season. Um, so it was a little bit surprising, and, and the, uh, you know, in Boston, for the, for the uninitiated on Boston, um, until recent times, uh, and actually until probably, um, you know, late 90s, um, you know, the, the Patriots were the fourth sports team in, in, in Boston. You know, the Red Sox were king. And you had the Celtics, then you had the Bruins, and then if you know nothing else was going on, maybe you go watch a Patriots game. Um, and and uh, uh, we were just sort of we were Patriots were just sort of an afterthought. And, and while I was there, uh, you know, and uh, after you know won a you know won a uh, Super Bowl, the team won a Super Bowl in 2001, climbed all the way to second behind the Red Sox. Uh, and now after all of this success, I think they may have finally surpassed the Red Sox in popularity. Uh, but it was uh, it was sort of a, a, a surprise. It was something that was very new and very novel for Boston sports fans to be cheering for uh, the Patriots and cheering for a football team. They hadn't done that in the past. We're talking with former great Drew Bledsoe here on the Rip City Drive. Um, what's it like being around Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick? And do you notice any you know similarities between those two? You know, the interesting thing, when I was in New England, I had three coaches while I was in New England, and, and all three of them will eventually be in the Hall of Fame. I had uh, uh, Bill Parcells, who's already in the Hall of Fame. Then Pete Carroll was there for three years and got to work with Pete and still just love Pete you know, to death. Uh, and then uh, and then with Belichick, uh, Belichick after that. And the, the interesting thing is to the outside, you know, stylistically, they seem, they seem so different. And they are, you know, I mean, Parcells is all, you know, bluster and, like to intimidate the media and, you know, it was all New Jersey and, and, uh, uh, you know, Pete seemed more lighthearted and fun and, and smiled a lot. And, and then Belichick was just all business and he, he and Popovich are the, the, the funniest interviews in sports. Cause they just, don't, it's so <laughs> funny. Um, uh, but then, but in practice, what they were actually doing, uh, with the team and what they, what they asked uh, of their team and the way they coached the team, um, you know, the similarities were, were are, are, far, far uh, outweigh the, uh, the, the differences. You know, it's about discipline. It's about playing team football. It's about, you know, doing your job and working hard and preparing and 
um, all of those things. And, and uh, you know, so the similarities were, were, were really pretty striking and, and far more uh, common than the differences. You know, Drew, I want to go back to the, the college football national championship game a few weeks ago. A lot of people gave praise to Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts, the, the way that he handled things at halftime when, when he was benched in favor of uh, Tua, who won the game. And, and, I, and he deserves all that praise. And I don't think people give you enough credit for the way you handled playing in the AFC championship game, being the guy for a long, long time at New England, and then seeing Tom Brady go out on the field and, and win the team, the, the franchise's first championship. How difficult was that for you? And just that, that experience of having to, to be that guy, that teammate, to, to watch your team have success and not be able to really be a part of it on the field for that game. What was that like? You know, um, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was hard, man. I gotta be honest. You know, I'd been the, uh, the, the franchise guy there for, for eight years and change. And I just signed a, a long-term contract and then, uh, you know, I got on the, the field against the jets and, and, and truly almost died, uh, on the field, you know, rushed to the hospital, spent, spent, uh, three nights in the hospital bleeding out internally and, and, and all of this stuff. And I think, you know, you, you, you feel like at some point, uh, you know, you feel like, okay, well, at least I'm, I'm at least, uh, at least earned the right to, uh, to, you know, to get back on the field and compete for the job. Um, and then when that doesn't happen, man, it's tough. And, um, but, uh, you know, you always have, uh, decisions in life and how you're going to handle things. And, and, uh, you know, the right decision, you know, was to be a, be a teammate and, support Tommy and support the team and, and, uh, swallow my pride a little bit, but, uh, man, it was, it was, it was tough. And I, I remember the, uh, the, the, uh, the flew out the night of the, the night after, uh, of the Super Bowl. flew out, flew up to, uh, uh, flew up to Montana. We've got a, a, a place up there. And the next the day after the Super Bowl, I was skiing and I remember just sitting on the chairlift and I'd been, you know, I'd been strong through the whole thing. I'm sitting on the chairlift all by myself. And finally, man, it just, I just broke down. I mean, it was a really, really tough season, and it was, um, uh, and it was, it was such a, um, you know, a bittersweet thing because I was so happy for my team and my teammates, and so excited for all my buddies that had fought so hard to get there, and so proud to be a part of that team that won the Super Bowl. But uh, uh, to see that happen and not be the guy on the field was really, really a bitter pill to swallow. We're talking with the great Drew Bledsoe here on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. So if you were talking to Nick Foles, who's going through his first Super Bowl experience, going up against the great Tom Brady, what would you tell him after you've been through that experience, like you said before, against the Packers? What you got to do, especially in your first one, is you've got to find a way to, as quickly as possible, just settle down and play football. You know, it's the Super Bowl, and there's no getting around that. You know, you're, the, you're there all week, you're doing all the interviews, you're in the city, you're seeing all of the all of the pomp and circumstance that surrounds the game. And then when you get to the game, you know, it, it, there's, it's the Super Bowl, man. It's the biggest show in, in American sports. Um, then you go out and you, you, know, you warm up and you see all this stuff going on. And after warmups, one of the most difficult things about the Super Bowl is that after warmups, I think it's about 45 minutes uh, from the end of warmups until you actually get to come back out on the field. And so not only are you nervous and keyed up for that game, but now you got to go sit in the locker room for over half an hour. Um, and when you take the field, it takes a little while to settle down and just start playing football. Um, you know, and for me, you know, if I was ever feeling that way, it was always that first hit that finally made me start feeling like I was playing football. Um, and, uh, so th thankfully, uh, the, the Packers had Reggie White who obliged and knocked the crap out of me and got me into the game. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, but for, but for Nick Foles, um, 
you know, being there for the first time, um, you know, he's going to have to find a way to, as soon as possible, settle down and just play football. Um, and uh, so I, would, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, have some early game jitters, maybe miss a throw or two early, uh, but then he'll settle down and start playing. He's a really good player that, uh, that I'm extremely excited for. How good was Curtis Martin? Hmm. One of the great privileges of, uh, in, in my career is that uh, um, there were certain guys that I just, I had the best seat in the house to watch. And Curtis was one of those guys, you know, every once in a while we'd, I'd hand the ball off to him or throw him a check down and watching what Curtis uh, did um, after, uh, after he had the ball in his hands was, was really magical to watch. And there aren't that many guys, um, you know, that have ever played that were as elusive as Curtis was in the open field. And it was, it was just a pleasure to watch. But the thing that made Curtis special and then where he, where he separates from, from some of the other guys was he was good at every part of the game. You know, he was an outstanding blocker, great receiver out of the backfield. He was remarkably intelligent. Um, and, uh, and those guys are, are really, really rare uh, that, that are so uh, multidimensional. Hey, Drew, I, I've heard you speak following that tragedy involving the Coug community with Tyler Helensky. And, you know, you've coached. You've got some kids who play ball. Can you kind of reset your thoughts on, on what it means to be a real man for those who are out there struggling? Yeah, man, thank you for that. Um, you know, there's a... Uh, some, there's societal pressures, particularly on us as, as men, and I think it's even in, uh, even more on, on athletes uh, to to not show emotion and to not uh, seek help when you're when you're hurting. Um, you know, it's perceived as a sign of weakness to go ask for help. And what I think people need to start to recognize is that asking for help and realizing when you're when things are not right, asking for help is an ultimate sign of strength. Um, and it's also an ultimate sign of respect for yourself and for the people that love you. Um, so, um, you know, anybody out there, man, and that's, that's, that's hurting. Um, if you're hearing the words, man, reach out for help. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to the people that love you. Um, this mental illness thing is a real illness and it has to be treated like that. You know, it has to be treated like cancer. Um, and if it's not treated, um, you know, then it, then it can kill you. And we just, I just, we can't have any more of these tragedies, man. These, you know, some of these young people that have so much life in front of them, um, and you know, take their lives too early. Um, it's the, I think it's the number two killer between 18 and 45 hmm. suicide is, uh, in, in uh, 18 and 45 for, for males. Um, and it's just not talked about. It's not addressed. And, and so hopefully, um, you know, we can continue to spread the word and encourage, uh, people that are, that are, uh, that are feeling down, that are bummed, um, or have some sort of, um, you know, something going on in their head uh, emotionally, um, hopefully we can convince people to start seeking help instead of keeping that inside. Well, I really admire you for, for uh, sharing your thoughts on that. The first time I heard you say that, my son Isaac, who uh, he has autism, so after I heard you say that, I thought that's a great thing to communicate to my son. So the, when I saw him later that day, I went to him and just made sure he understood that, hey, if you're ever, if there's anything that's ever troubling you, that you need to verbalize, you can always feel safe with me or, or your mom or grandma and grandpa, whoever you need to talk to, do it. And so I made sure I conveyed that because I thought you put it, uh, you, 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 you communicated in such an eloquent way, Drew, which I thought was awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I, I actually uh, need to, uh, need to, to footnote my, uh, my, my brother on that. He's, he's made this his kind of his cause. And, and uh, um, we had to, some good conversations about it. And, and, um, a lot of the words that I shared actually came from him, but, um, but yeah, it's a, you know, with Tyler, I mean, it was, it was so out of the blue. My son, John's playing football up there, playing quarterback, no indication whatsoever. And, 
um, you know, just such a tragic thing. And I just, it has to stop, man. We can't have this anymore. He's one of the all-time greats from Washington State, a four-time Pro Bowler and a Super Bowl champ. You can check out the Bledsoe Family Winery at DoubleBack.com. I, I do. Have you had a chance to meet the lead singer of Queensryche, Jeff Tate? He, I talked to him once. He's also in the wine game. No, I haven't had a talk, chance to talk to him yet. I got to find the wine, and then uh, I think uh, you know uh, 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 Maynard from uh, from uh, uh, from Tools and Wine. There, there's a lot of interesting people in the wine biz, man. It's it's really really fun. You get to you know you go out and you travel and uh, and you meet a lot of wine people and and um, you know everybody's got an interesting story. You know, you, it, and um, you know there are no jerks in the wine business. Pretty much, it, you know, people might be eccentric, yes, but, but, but there are no jerks in the wine business. And, well, uh, it's a lot of fun. No, Tate told me that what's cool is because the Northwest, with the uh, climate, you can grow so many different types of grapes with the uh, soils and stuff. He said that he started to see some Washington and Oregon labels pop up uh, overseas in France and stuff, which he thought was pretty awesome. We're really, really blessed in the Northwest, man. We can go to the Willamette Valley, which is like Burgundy. Uh, then you get up to the Columbia Valley and up to Walla Walla, and you got Bordeaux. Uh, and in most cases, um, obviously I'm biased, but in most cases – um, we're, we're making better wine than they are in, in any of those other places. So um, it's a kind of an embarrassment of riches uh, here in the Northwest when it comes to to wine. And in, in addition to everything else we've got going for us, the wine thing is, is really, really cool here. And we are starting to get a toehold uh, in the rest of the world, but there's still uh, a ton of blue sky out there for Oregon and Washington to continue to grow in the wine world. He's on Twitter, at Drew Bledsoe. Check out the uh, Bledsoe family winery, doubleback.com. Drew, always enjoy the conversation. Great work, and enjoy your week, my friend. Right on. Thanks for having me on, guys. You guys Thanks, Drew. Soon. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 